I'm Mehdi Hassan, and I'm here in Washington, D.C. for a special series of shows where we're doing things a little differently. Due to the pandemic, I'll be going head-to-head -head today remotely with not one, but two guests, each with opposing views. No panel, no audience, just two guests and me. In this first episode, I'll be examining how the United States has handled the biggest story in the world right now, the coronavirus crisis. In part one, I'll challenge former Republican Congressman Jack Kingston, a Trump ally who thinks the president is doing a great job. And in part two, former Democratic Party official Jess O'Connell, who'll be defending the Democrats' record during this pandemic. With almost 150,000 dead and tens of millions unemployed, the world's richest country seems to have suffered the worst from the global pandemic. So, how did it all come to this? Back in January, President Donald Trump told us it was all handled. We think we have it very well under control. He reassured the American people. And it will go away and we're going to have a great victory. Even as his predictions turned out to be utterly wrong, he still refused to test Americans in greater numbers. I think it's ridiculous. I don't want to test 350 million people. And peddle dangerous cures. The disinfectant, it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside? All the while trumpeting that he was doing a great job. I'd read it at 10. My first guest today would agree with the president. Jack Kingston is a Republican Party politician and former congressman for the state of Georgia, as well as a close ally of Donald Trump. He was an advisor and spokesperson during the Trump 2016 election campaign, and he's now working as a surrogate for the Trump campaign ahead of November. I'll go head to head with Jack Kingston and ask him whether President Trump has botched this public health crisis. Has he protected Americans from the coronavirus? Or ultimately, has he got blood on his hands? Jack Kingston, thank you for joining me on Head to Head. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, Donald Trump said back in February that within a few days, there'd be zero cases of the coronavirus and zero deaths. But by April, he was predicting between 50 and 60,000 deaths. Today, more than 130,000 people have died from COVID-19 in the US. And public health experts say many of them would not have died if this president had acted sooner. What's your response to those people who say Donald Trump has blood on his hands? I think that the president has done a, a very, very good, solid job, even a great job in many respects, because you have to remember, this is a new virus and you're dealing with it in real time. You know, we have all as a world kind of uh, stepped in this thing, uh, maybe step by step, if you will, um, and learn, had to do a lot of on the job learning. But keep in mind that this originated in a country that likes secrets, in a country that withheld life-saving critical data right in the beginning. And had China been more forthcoming with what was going on, in the Wuhan laboratories, um, and if the WHO had shared Taiwanese data on human-to-human -human transmission, this would have been entirely different. But we did not have that critical data. But Jack, the, 
The problem with blaming China and saying, well, the rest of the world was struggling is that South Korea got its first case the same day as the US. They tested thousands of people. Their death toll is below 300. Vietnam, which shares an 800-mile land border with China, do you know how many deaths they have from COVID-19? Zero, because they took it seriously. Here in the US, Columbia University researchers say if Donald Trump had shut down just a week earlier, we could have saved 36,000 lives. Two weeks earlier, 54,000 lives. And yet he wasn't bothered. He was holding rallies. He was playing golf. He wasn't taking it seriously, Jack. You know, what he did do is he banned um, travel from China at a time that Joe Biden said, oh, he's xenophobic. He moved in front of the WHO. The WHO was supposed to be the world leader in this, and they did not even declare it a pandemic till a, a month later. They were denying that there was human-to-human -human transmission. They hit, withheld the Taiwanese research on it. And that it. didn't stop they the were, South Koreans uh, or the Vietnamese or the Taiwanese or the Japanese from testing and getting their death tolls down. The US death toll went up. Donald Trump, you say he restricted travel from China. He did, fair point. And what do you do after that? He did nothing in February. In February, he said, you know what he said in February? It'll go away once it gets hot. It'll disappear like a miracle. We have it very much under control. It's a democratic hoax to suggest otherwise. In March, he said, it's not that severe. I'm not concerned at all. We've done a great job. It's like the flu. I could go on, Jack. He just didn't take it seriously. And tens of thousands of people died here. They didn't die in South Korea. You could go on with that on a lot of people. Nancy Pelosi was given tours in Chinatown saying, no problem here, go out to eat. She's not the president. The president was playing golf, holding rallies, visiting India and saying, it's like the flu, it'll disappear. And thousands of people died, Jack. Actually, no, the point that I'm making is that there was a lot of misunderstanding of the nature of this disease and how do you contain it? Well, then how do you explain South Korea and Vietnam, Jack? Just tell me, how do you explain South Korea testing 10,000 people a day while the US had tested 1,500 people total? How do you explain that, Jack? Is that Nancy Pelosi's fault? Well, in smaller countries where you can make a decision faster in a more unilateral uh, fashion, I, I think that you can ha have a little better control of it. But the truth is, in a democracy like America, where everybody is an armchair quarterback saying, no, you need to do this, you need to do that, the reason why Nancy Pelosi and the health director of New York City's comments are important and the health director of the state of Pennsylvania, among others, is because it shows how difficult it was for Trump to get a consensus, to get everybody on the same page. But Nancy Pelosi wasn't saying it's like the flu. Nancy Pelosi the... never said it's going to disappear when it gets hot. She didn't say it's a hoax by the Republican Party. Uh, this was Trump. She, and even now, she Jack, actually said, Jack, even, she actually now, said no. even now, if you don't want to hear about what happened in February when Trump was golfing, even now, he's still not taking it seriously. In May, he said, we have prevailed. In June, he said, it's a minuscule problem, ridiculously. Okay. Uh, he said it would disappear let, in July. Let, let, let's, hold on, hold on, let me finish my question. Okay, he's even holding, he's even, uh, uh, let me finish my question, you come back in. He's still not taking it seriously. He's holding indoor rallies in Oklahoma, uh, where Secret Service agents tested positive, his own aides tested positive. He's not taking it seriously even today. Nobody else is taking it as unseriously as Donald Trump is right now. Nobody else. Okay, that, 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 that's totally not right. 39 million Americans have been tested, closing in on 40 million Americans. The president set up the task force, by the way, in February with uh, Ambassador Burks and Mr. Uh, Dr. Fauci and, and the vice president. Um, he was holding weekly press conferences and the left 
got mad that he was holding yeah, press conferences. Yeah, because he said nonsensical he things at those told... press conferences, as you know. He said things but... like, it's a minuscule problem. <laughs> well, Jack, I... do you believe the coronavirus is a minuscule problem? I don't think he was saying any, anything like that. What he you don't think saying, he said it was a minuscule problem? Airbridge, for example. Hold on, hold on. You don't think he did? He said, I, I don't know that he, he said, said that. He said it was a minuscule problem, Jack. Do you think it was a minuscule problem? I, I don't think the president believes that. I don't think he's acted in that way, and I certainly. If you don't, look, the um, numbers are very minuscule. It's dying out. Those are Trump's words last month, Jack. Last month, after a hundred thousand people had died, look, he said okay, it's a minuscule problem. That's that's shameful. Okay, pedal to the metal on what he has done. Let's talk about the air bridge. They have brought in 143 million N95s. They bought brought in about 600 million uh, normal surgical type masks. They brought in 20 million eye shields for um, doctors and they brought in millions of gowns and everything that you need. And yet, despite all that, he said earlier this month, 99% of coronavirus cases in the US are totally harmless. That's a lie, that's just not true. That's an insult to the dead and the people well, in hospital. Well, actually, I think the number right now, the spike is with younger people where it's less harmful. But um, I, I, I think what, what you may be doing is picking and choosing some of his statements. Sorry, Jack, he didn't say less harmful. He said 99% of which are totally harmless. That is false, is it not? Would you not agree that the air bridge was significant and a major medical operation that the world's never seen before and that testing 40 million people um, more than any other nation? With respect, the way this works is good. I ask you a question, not the other way around. I'm asking you, are 99% <laughs> yeah. of cases totally harmless given 4.5% of cases have ended in death and 15 to 20% have ended up in hospital? How is 99% of cases totally harmless? If we're flying spec in everything he said, let's all agree, okay, the president has said some things that, that aren't accurate, but let's also agree, look at his actions. I mean, I've explained the, the air bridge, which we would agree that is very significant, uh, Operation Warp Speed that's going to put a vaccine out there, hopefully by the, the first of the year, but maybe even sooner than that. Let's talk about food production. America has not had food shortages. Back in February, when we all closed down, okay. a lot of people were saying, we're not going to get meat. We're not going to get the poultry that we need. We have not had any food shortages at all. Fair point. Let me ask you this. We agree that totally harmless is false. It's a falsehood by the president. But it's not just Trump, of course, who seems to have not taken this seriously. You now have massive increases in coronavirus cases, hospitalizations, and deaths, mostly in Republican-led states, with the exception of California, which is also seeing the same, uh, which seem to have reopened their economies too soon. Texas, Florida, Arizona. Between those three states, they've had more coronavirus cases than all of the European Union member countries put together. Shocking numbers. You yourself were a big supporter of your own home state of Georgia, also Republican-controlled, reopening back in April. You said, I say, keep on rolling, Governor. Those are your words about Georgia. Georgia is now seeing a big spike in cases, in hospitalization, it's pausing its own reopening. You got it wrong. The Republicans in Georgia, Arizona, Texas got it wrong. No, not really, because if you look at Georgia, and I look at the Georgia numbers every day, the, the big growth really has happened because of three things, and this is a medical fact, um, but because of protests, because of Memorial Day weekend, and because the bars were reopened. And now in Georgia, we're all wearing face masks. We have to, though, reopen. Well, actually, the Georgia governor has refused to mandate masks, even now. Actually, on July 9th, Brian Kemp uh, issued a tweet and said, we all have to wear masks. Jack, he hasn't mandated it. Putting out a tweet is not an executive order. It's not governing. Tweet, you can't tweet your way out of 
of 3,000 deaths. I know that some of you commentators like government mandates and believe that people will only do the right thing if they're told by the nanny state, but it is possible that people like me in the state of Georgia, hardcore, hardcore conservatives who like personal freedom, are gonna do the right thing. I not only have masks, I have rubber gloves, and I keep my social distances, and I wash the heck out of my hands Good every day. Good for you, but the state itself is in crisis right now. I want to make another point, though. Um, along with the, the, keeping the food supply open, the president has done something like 160 um, uh, emergency use waivers on medical uh, therapeutics so that he can get it out there. The FDA has expedited getting these things to the population. They set up FEMA so that they can work with all the health and human services agencies. I understand, but even Donald Trump, what's so hilarious is even Donald Trump said Governor Kemp of Georgia got it wrong. He said at the time, I disagree with him on what he's doing, on opening up. I think it's too soon. Trump weirdly was right for once. You and the governor of Georgia were wrong. 3,000 Georgians <laughs> are dead. And Georgia, I'm glad you've given by the way, do you want to hear the Georgia? Do you want to hear the Georgia numbers right now? The Georgia numbers are fifteen percent of cases coming uh, I, back I, positive. Well, yeah, tell tell me the numbers, but 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 let's let's split out the people b between age eighteen and forty because why? I know that's where the the bulk of it is. And those are why because those are the people who have gone to bars and celebrated Memorial Days and went out in the street and protested and did not wear masks. Why did he reopen the bars and the gyms in the end of April? That was a huge mistake well, on the part of the be, Republican government of Florida. Because I can tell you what, you can do like Joe Biden and hide literally in the basement and not engage and be afraid mm -hmm. of your shadow. Or you can say, you know what, we have 50 states, we have thousands of local health directors, and we can make some decisions about reopening. The decision was wrong. Georgia no, hospitalized... I don't, think it, I don't think it's wrong. Even the governor has now paused the reopening. That's a confession. The Texas governor, Greg Abbott, Republican, says, we got it wrong. We, we were too quick on the bars. The Texas governor saying they got it wrong. I don't know why you're defending people who are not defending themselves. You have to reopen. I, I, I know there are a lot of people in laptop world who have the luxury of working at home and then passing judgment on all of those don't that don't. But you've got to get the economy re, reopened. Jack, the Republican governors of Texas are saying, and, and Arizona is saying, we got it wrong. We're slowing down our reopening. People are dying. What are you saying about the legislation, though? Um, we are going to have uh, four coronavirus packages over trillions of dollars spent. That's got nothing to do with the fact that well, people well, are no, dying no, 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 in Arizona, in Florida, in it, Texas. Deaths it, are going up, and you're telling me we have to reopen. If you're grading papers, you can find a lot that has gone wrong. Yes, and dead people. I would put that at the top of my grading. In some cases, you can blame it on the elected officials. But, but, but I would say this, you know, Everybody knows, for example, cigarette smoking isn't good, but people still smoke, right? And that's just the funny thing. Everybody knows hand washing, social distance, and wearing masks is good, but they're not necessarily doing it. I don't blame that on Brian Kemp, our governor. I want to talk about coronavirus legislation, though. When you say Trump hasn't done a good job, what about the 51 million jobs he has saved and the 40 million people who have been tested and all the well, medical equipment? Well, 40 million people lost their the jobs during this crisis. So I'm not sure unemployment is your best narrative going into an election. But let me ask you this, because you're talking about e economics, you're talking about people taking risks. One thing that every scientist agrees on around the world from day one of this crisis, you have to test. You've been telling me about the great US testing numbers. The president has never been a fan of testing. For himself, yes, but not for the American people. He calls tests ridiculous, overrated, unfair. Back in March, 
He said he didn't want to test sick Americans on a cruise ship because, quote, I like the numbers being where they are. I don't need to have the numbers double because of one ship. Recently at a rally in Oklahoma, he openly admitted, Jack, quote, I said to my people, slow the testing down, please. That is criminally negligent. Do you really believe that's, that he wasn't being sarcastic? I mean, I, I was sitting there and I thought it was hilarious. And you know, the president loves to say that because he stirs up the left. He said he wasn't being sarcastic. He said, I don't kid. He was asked about that comment, by the way, Jack. He was asked <laughs> about that comment. He said, I don't kid. The president said he wasn't joking. No, and let me ask you this. No, 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 when I asked he, you a question. You really the president said, that? I don't kid. Why are you saying <laughs> he was joking when he said he wasn't joking? I, I can promise you he was joking. And when he says stuff like that, he knows he riles up the media. He, he, he loves to... So he was lying when he said, I don't kid. And listen, it's so easy for him to rile up the, the reporters. By the way, is it funny to make jokes about 130,000 dead, Jack? Holocaust survivors, veterans, pensioners, teachers, paramedics, uh, kids. Do you think that's funny? You said it's hilarious. Why even make a joke about 130,000 people being dead? Is that funny to you? As you know, the president hasn't tried to make anything light of people dying. Jack, your words, you said, I thought it was hilarious. What is hilarious about making jokes about a crisis in which 130,000 people are dead, hundreds it, of thousands well, more I'll in hospital? It's hilarious that the president can put one little piece of bait out there for the media and you guys charge to it because you hate Trump so much and you're looking for something. Well, hold on, it's got nothing to do with hating Trump, Jack. You said you found it hilarious. What is funny I, about 130,000 okay, people being and dead and there not being enough tests? I thought that his comment, uh, which he made very, very sarcastically, was hilarious that the press went straight to it as he knew you guys would do. The president has spent more time on coronavirus than any other issue. We've tested 39 to 40 million That's people in America. That's not true that he spent more time on the coronavirus. In fact, he barely we've mentioned the coronavirus in his recent appearances. We've tested more, we've tested more than any other country. It's not enough. According to Harvard, you're testing a, a seventh of what you should be testing, given the level of infection. We, you also have more infections okay. than any other country. Uh, well, let me, let me explain that to you, because it, you, you actually raised a, a good point. One of the things that we have had a debate on, and this is Democrat or Republican, and it's not unique to America, is with a limited number of tests, shouldn't those tests be given to the people who are symptomatic and who are vulnerable rather than everybody um, who wants a test? Let and that's one of the things that, that is an okay. honest debate. We're now doing about a half a million tests a, a day, and that number will increase. Let me ask you something else about testing, which made a lot of headlines. And I quote, Trump said recently, if we didn't do testing, we would have no cases. It's something he said on, in one form or another on multiple occasions. It's an insane thing to say, Jack. That's like saying, if a pregnant woman doesn't get a pregnancy test, she's not pregnant, even though, of course, she is. Regardless of whether you test for COVID, sick people are turning up in hospitals and dying every day in America in their hundreds. I, what a ridiculous I, I'm, I'm thing to say. I agree with you. I'm going to shock you and say, yes, I understand why that's not a, a wise thing to say. I would also, though, say still look at the legislation he is supporting for medical supplies, for PPEs, for vaccines, for therapeutics, for testing, and look at the accelerated way that I they're get doing you that. Wanna, I, I know you want to pivot. You're a politician, Jack. I respect that. But that's got nothing to do with my question. He said, he said, he said on a <laughs> quote, if we didn't do testing, if... we would have no cases. You, both, you and I can both agree that's a nonsense statement. Well, it's a nonsense for people who are symptomatic. Um, as you know, there are a lot of people who are asymptomatic. <laughs> Sorry, that's not what he said, though, Jack. He said we would have no cases of coronavirus if we didn't test for it. That's a bizarre thing to say. People I are still going to turn up in hospitals whether you test them or not. I, I, but Jack, isn't the problem that Donald Trump 
is a spectacularly ignorant and uninformed president who so far in this pandemic alone has wondered out loud why it's called COVID-19, because of course it was discovered in 2019, has claimed there's a vaccine for AIDS, there isn't Jack, said he didn't know anyone who died from the flu, even though his own grandfather died from the flu. And of course, infamously back in April, he asked whether his scientists could look into injecting disinfectant into the human body to kill the coronavirus. One of the maddest things I've ever heard any politician say in my lifetime. Even you, Jack, at that point must have said, this guy shouldn't be in charge of a bake sale, let alone a pandemic response. Actually, if you listen to that interview, he was talking about, is there a way to internally digest a medicine that could cure? Now, frankly, you know, it's thinking outside the box in a laboratory that comes up with great inventions. But, you know, I can understand your discomfort with him saying that at a press conference. You can understand it. I mean, he made himself a laughingstock. His own aides distanced themselves from him. He said, is there a way we can do something like that, disinfectant, by injection inside? He wanted to inject disinfectant into human beings. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard any world leader say in my entire life. That's what everybody said when Henry Ford said, I want an automatic transmission. He had all the engineers at Ford Motor Company telling him it's impossible. He kept sending it up. So Donald Trump is Henry Ford by suggesting bleach and disinfectant. You're Uh, defending something which Republicans have disowned. The Republican governor of Maryland said, please stop saying this. We're getting calls to our poison center from people who want to drink bleach. The Surgeon General said, don't do this. He never said drink bleach. You know that's a, a total lie. No, no, he said inject it into your body. No, he said inject a medicine in your body. Jack, he said inject, I'm reading the quote. I watched the clip before I came here today. He said, I see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute. Is there a way we can do something like that by injection inside or almost a cleaning? Disinfectant by injection? What he was asking is a pretty reasonable question, but you guys want to twist it because you can't stand it. Jack, would you inject yourself with disinfectant in the name of science and research and faith in Trump? Uh, you know, let, let's. When you drink Pepto Bismol, are you not cleaning out your system? Is that could that be uh, considered a disinfectant? That's not what I asked. Would you inject yourself with disinfectant because Donald Trump is like Henry Ford? You say. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm asking. Would you inject yourself as part of a scientific experiment? Tell me what the definition of disinfectant is, because I'm lost on this. Because I do think there are medically ways to clean yourself. You t- you tell me. You're the one taking the injection in the name of Donald Trump. <laughs> I, I am saying that there are ways to clean the interior of your body through medicine, and, and that's and, not a controversial And that's not statement. what he said. He said inject it with a disinfectant, and the Surgeon General had to disown him. We're running out of time. I need to ask you a very important question, Jack. At what point, Jack, do you say, but, I cannot defend this? I cannot defend 150,000 dead, 200,000 dead. At what point do you say, there's just too many deaths? You know what? If there's one death, that's too many. I mean, I, 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 there's no debate on that. This is a very, very serious thing. But there's 130,000 and it's going up. 500 a day at the time of our interview. Yes, and you know, you know what I would say? I am so proud that the president is addressing the medical issues from therapeutics to vaccines to getting doctors to getting healthcare providers. I'm glad that he opened up temporary hospitals. Are you in, proud in of New America's York. death toll? I am very proud that. Early on, I'm not proud of anything of the death toll anywhere in the world. But here's what I'm proud of. There's a hell of a lot of things that have worked. And you guys hate Trump so much, you can't admit it. And, and he sent the mercy ships. He sent the comfort ships to Los Angeles and New York City. And they were sent back because they were not needed. That's a good sign. It's not a miserable thing. I'm pretty sure the families of the 130,000 dead neither love nor hate Trump. They just wish their family members were alive. 
Uh, Jack, we will have to leave it there. Thank you for coming on the, and engaging in this robust manner. We appreciate you taking time out. We'll Anytime. have to leave it there. That's it for part one. In part two, the opposing view. I'll challenge the former CEO of the DNC, the Democratic National Committee, Jess O'Connell, on the Democrats' record over the course of this pandemic. Stay tuned. We'll be back in a few minutes after the news headlines. Hello, I'm Mehdi Hassan, and welcome back to a special US edition of the show on the coronavirus crisis. We're departing from our usual format to go head-to-head -head with not one, but two guests. In part one, I challenge Republican Jack Kingston, a surrogate for the Trump 2020 campaign. And now in part two, I'll be challenging a former top Democratic Party official, Jess O'Connell, on her party's handling of the crisis. As the novel coronavirus rampaged across the globe, some 40 countries have decided to shut their borders. The warning signs were clear. Spain on lockdown. More than 130,000 And came early enough. Italy has surpassed China in terms of the number of uh, corona deaths. But when the virus hit the US, New York City quickly became the country's epicenter for the pandemic. The city's Democratic mayor, however, initially told New Yorkers to continue their lives as normal. The best thing we can all do is remind people, keep going about your lives. The state's Democratic governor said the same. We don't even think it's going to be as bad as it was in other countries. Governor Andrew Cuomo and Mayor Bill de Blasio first swaggered. We have the best healthcare system in the world. Then hesitated. We'll tell you the second we think you should change your behavior. And ended up bickering. It's not up to the local officials. It's a statewide decision across the board. And soon the bodies in New York were piling up. Meanwhile, at the height of the pandemic, Joe Biden, the Democratic presidential candidate, was suggesting people could go out safely and vote in the Wisconsin primary. Thank you, Wisconsin. While Democrats in Congress passed the biggest bailout in US history, which handed hundreds of billions of dollars to big corporations with no questions asked. We do care for the American people in every way. So is the Democratic Party's coronavirus record any less tainted than that of the Republican president and the party he leads? My second guest today on Head to Head is Jess O'Connell, former CEO of the Democratic National Committee, the DNC a top political operative who worked on Hillary Clinton and more recently Pete Buttigieg's presidential campaigns. She's currently an advisor to several NGOs and center-left political groups. I'll ask her whether Democratic Party leaders also have blood on their hands, whether they behave that much more responsibly or effectively than President Trump, and are they continuing to fail the interests of poorer Americans who they claim to represent? Jess O'Connell, thanks for joining me on Head to Head. Thanks for having me, Manny. Let me begin by asking you what I asked former Republican Congressman Jack Kingston at the start of part one. Given uh, the massive coronavirus death toll here in the US, do you believe President Trump has blood on his hands, that he is directly or even indirectly responsible for a lot of those deaths? Yes, well, I think uh, certainly President Trump has abdicated leadership and responsibility for this entire pandemic in the United States. He has uh, originally really just wasted a lot of time, right? I mean, he told us for a few months at the beginning of this thing that uh, everything was under control, there was nothing to worry about, they would take care of it. And now he's sort of at a place where he's kind of giving up. 
Um, he's tired. He's tired of losing uh, this battle, as we have been here in the United States. Uh, I think he bears a tremendous amount of responsibility. It's never too late uh, to do the right thing, but we still don't really see him doing that. Well, when you look at the U.S. states with the most coronavirus deaths, four of the top five, and as of the start of July, eight of the top ten worst-hit states were governed by Democrats. Just taking New York State on its own, 32,000 deaths, 23,000 of them in New York City alone. So, many would argue, the Democratic governor of New York State, Andrew Cuomo, and the Democratic mayor of New York City, Bill de Blasio, like Trump, also both have blood on their hands. Look, I think you can't have a conversation about the response to COVID-19 uh, without discussing the lack of federal leadership. The bottom line is, if you are a governor or a mayor of a state in the United States, uh, you need to know what the federal response is. You need access to the data. You need access to the truth. You need to know uh, what the plan's going to be. You need to know that there'll be supply chains that provide your frontline workers with everything that they need. The Democratic governors and mayors across the country, they are listening to the science. They are following what doctors and epidemiologists are recommending. That is not what Republicans have been doing. In New York, you mentioned Governor Cuomo. The second case of COVID-19 that was reported, he immediately allocated $40 million to help with additional staff and funds there. And he did something also that was really important and had been absent in this country prior, which is he started telling the truth. He looked Americans in the eye through the camera every day in a briefing and started telling them what they can expect, okay. what's going on, and what we need to do to get better. So I want to come back to Andrew Cuomo and the truth in a moment. Just taking your earlier point about federal leadership, which is true, of course you need federal leadership, and that was clearly missing in the US. Uh, but also, the federal government in the US, as you know, doesn't have the power to lock down states to bring out uh, shelter-in-place orders. The governors have the power to do that. And in California, in Washington state, they were much quicker at doing that. To be fair, both run by Democrats. In New York, however, they were very late to the party. A study by researchers at Columbia University say 18,500 deaths could have been prevented in New York had the mayor and the governor, had Cuomo and de Blasio shut down the city and the state even one week earlier. That's a lot of preventable deaths, Jess. 18,500. I think that's true nationwide. I think if there had been national leadership around this in terms of uh, President Trump and the administration shutting down all over the country, that would have been helpful. I think that New York was a couple of days behind in terms of their shutdown of schools and stay-at-home orders. But when you look at the totality of Democratic governors across the country, they all, all shut down by April 24th, whereas just barely over half of the Republicans had shut down. There is a difference in strategy here, and we're seeing it. But as I say, when you look at the overall death tolls, when you look at the height of the pandemic in March, April, you do look at a place like New York. Many Democrats rightly point out that Trump downplayed the coronavirus threat. He didn't do enough to make people aware of it. But in New York, top Democrats seem to do the same thing. The governor, Andrew Cuomo, said, and I quote on March 2nd, excuse our arrogance as New Yorkers. We think we have the best healthcare system on the planet right here in New York. We don't even think it's going to be as bad as it was in other countries. He was wrong. It's actually worse in New York. The mayor of New York, Bill de Blasio, a Democrat, was telling people to go to the movies, to eat out at restaurants, to take the subway as late as March the 11th. How can Democrats criticize Trump only for being reckless, incompetent, negligent when top elected Democrats in New York were doing the same thing? <laughs> because President Trump has the power of the federal government, which has the CDC, which has all of the data, all of the information, all of the ability to marshal the national resources to send the help that was needed and required to states like New York and others that were experiencing different global hotspots. 
The Democrats have been following the science. That's been true even for the governor of New York. They've been following the science. They've been focused on everyday working people while the Republicans are ignoring the science. And the Republicans remain focused on big business and corporations. And as we move forward, that distinction is going to continue to cost lives. But Donald Trump didn't force Bill de Blasio to tell people to go out on the town, to go out and party and take the subway and eat out in mid-March. Yeah, I think the most important part of this is the pivot that people made in March as they move forward. In April, President Trump was telling people to inject themselves with disinfectant. Yes, I understand. If your argument is Trump is worse, I get that. But I'm talking about New York's responsibility. The governor and the mayor failed in March, didn't they, when they said, everything's going to be fine, it's not going to be as bad here, go out and have dinner and go watch a movie. It's certainly worse than they anticipated and certainly worse than anyone here anticipated. You know, look, those comments that you made, those were made, but what you saw was a pivot from the governor who immediately started to sit down, do daily briefings and tell the truth to Americans and New Yorkers. And by the way, it wasn't just New Yorkers who were looking for that leadership, it was Americans all over the country because we did not know what was going on. We didn't know whether we could catch this from packages. We didn't know what we needed to be doing. Now, we sit here today and we know we should wear masks and stay six feet apart. When this was first breaking, that that was not clear yet still. But one thing we did know was that It was a deeply infectious disease, and it was elderly people who were most susceptible to it. And yet, you talk about Andrew Cuomo's leadership. On March 25th, he signed an order saying that nursing home residents who had tested positive for the disease should be returned to those nursing homes, even though they're tested positive for COVID-19. To date, more than 6,500 people, almost 6,500 people have died uh, in nursing homes and adult care facilities in the state of New York. The vast majority of those people died before Governor Cuomo belatedly reversed that order in mid-May. Those deaths are on Andrew Cuomo. They are not on Donald Trump. Look, the other thing that the governor did was make sure that he started to to set up temporary hospitals once it was clear that people couldn't stay in hospitals themselves or there was uh, capacity issues and uh, and that you couldn't go back to a nursing home. I mean, I think there were a lot of questions at the time about where was the safest place for people to be. No, no, no. Um, He was asked at a press conference in April. Sorry, Jess, he was asked in April about his policy and he, and he acted as if he didn't know anything about it. He looked at his health commission and said, oh, I don't know anything about that. And then he took another three weeks to reverse the order. Think about all the people who died in those nursing homes, all those families who lost elderly relatives, parents, because the governor didn't stop this ridiculous order that he had put out in March. Even if you say the initial order was based on ignorance, two months later to turn that around, six and a half thousand people dead? Look, New York has been far from perfect in its response. It was one of the first states that had to deal with this uh, with this pandemic in the United States uh, without the help and resources and support that one would expect at a federal level. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, again, the look back on this time uh, is going to be brutal for, for lots of folks as we do that. But, but what is most important is that we are not even through wave one as a result of the lack of federal leadership here. And accordingly, we've got to be- And I, and I put the federal making, leadership making point sure to Jack Kingston in part one, and we discussed the federal government's failures. Just one last question on New York before we move on. You talk about New York and resources. On Governor Cuomo's watch, a centrist Democrat in charge of New York State for almost a decade now, there have been a great deal of cuts 
to public budgets. The Democrats are supposed to be the party of public services of the poor, and yet Cuomo has overseen a great deal of austerity measures, which many argue left his state unprepared for a pandemic like this. Cuts to spending on health care in New York, cuts to the number of New York hospital beds, hospital closures across New York State. The governor even tried to cut the state's budget for free health care for low-income families for what's called Medicaid by $2.5 billion in the midst of this pandemic. That's just cruel, isn't it? Well, I'll tell you what he has been fighting for and, and was fighting for the minute that this pandemic hit that we weren't getting from the federal government, which is paid sick to ensure that people did not go to work if they were sick in New York. Unemployment benefits to ensure that people had the resources they need to keep moving forward. Uh, fighting for benefits around rent and mortgages to allow people to stay in their homes as we weather this storm together. But Medicaid, he passed a budget in April in the midst of the pandemic, which brought in, I think, $1.6, $1.7 billion of cuts. Originally, it had been $2.5 billion of cuts, $400 million of cuts to hospitals. <laughs> That's outrageous. How can a Democrat cut listen. Medicaid in the middle of a pandemic? How can you be okay with that? Yeah, listen, I, I'm not in, in Governor Cuomo's shoes in terms of balancing budgets, but here's what I will say is that Republicans have been fighting against health care. They've had over 70 votes uh, now, or 70 attempts at least, to try to take away the Affordable Health Care Act, including right now. They continue to do it during this pandemic. I get that. Uh, the Republicans want to cut health care. I'm asking why the Democrats are joining with them in New York. He could have raised taxes on the rich. He decided to cut Medicaid. Do you agree with that? I'm, I'm just asking. Yes or no? Is that something you agree with? Look, I can't speak to the New York state budget. I'm not I'm not familiar with it. I really can't speak to it because I don't know the trade-offs and it's an unfair question to ask if I don't know the trade-offs on that. I mean, it's a, it's a principal question. Should you be cutting Medicaid or raising taxes on the rich? I think Democrats, including Andrew Cuomo, support health care and support taking care of working people. And I think there is a record of that. On the subject of austerity, just taking it to a nationwide level, moving on from New York, let's talk about what Democrats in Congress have been up to since the beginning of this crisis. Because in late March, the CARES Act was passed, an unprecedented $2.2 trillion package to support businesses and families that had many good things in it, which Democrats pushed for, uh, like higher unemployment payments. But they also agreed to the Republican Party's $500 billion bailout fund for big businesses with no strings attached, no real oversight. Why did your party cave to Republicans at a time when you have a majority in the House and all this leverage over the Trump administration in the middle of a crisis? Well, look, I think that Nancy Pelosi, Speaker Pelosi, has done a tremendous job uh, passing multiple uh, provisions through the House during this crisis, the CARES Act being one of them. In terms of the bailout, uh, I agree. The, uh, you know, some of these programs have been looted by corporations, by Trump lobbyists. Uh, and by others, and that's going to require congressional oversight that the, the Democrats, I believe, are chomping at the bit to get their hands on. But why pass the bill without guaranteeing that oversight first? There's a timing uh, issue here. I mean, I think that uh, Speaker Pelosi understood that uh, leadership was in her hands to get this moving because the president of the United States was not focused on real people. 40 plus million Americans out of work and unemployed is a staggering number. Um, she had to, we had to move forward uh, and get uh, cash. There was a, a real sense of urgency as people were uh, going weeks without pay now, staying home, uh, uh, childcare issues, rent and mortgage and food, we needed to get money into Americans' hands, and I needed to move quickly. 
You talk about Nancy Pelosi having put through multiple measures, which she did, but she also didn't put through many other measures. Why have Democrats not pushed to cancel rent and mortgage payments for the duration of this crisis, for a moratorium on evictions, uh, for free emergency health care coverage during the pandemic, uh, giving $2,000 uh, to every person every month for the duration of this crisis rather than a single $1,200 check, keep employees on their company payrolls? All of these proposals, as you know, Jess, were put forward by progressive members of the House of Representatives, but were shot down by the leadership. None of them were endorsed by the leadership. In fact, Nancy Pelosi is said to have personally blocked some of them. This is what Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, progressive Democrat from New York, who represents perhaps the hardest hit district in America. This is what she said about your party. We are abdicating our responsibility. She's right, isn't she? Well, I can hardly say we're abdicating our responsibility when Speaker Pelosi has put together basically a governing coalition that has put forth uh, essentially three and a half congressional bills that have gone straight to Americans to help them survive this pandemic. We're now in a fourth, the HEROES Act, that has been held up by Mitch McConnell. It would go even further than any of the bills that have passed already. The abdication of leadership and responsibility here rests squarely on Republicans who have governed essentially through chaos. And but that argument doesn't really make sense, because spent. if your argument is Mitch McConnell and the Republicans are holding up the bill, then why not make the bill more ambitious? You really have nothing to lose, if, because you're not getting Republicans Republicans on board anyways. So why is Pelosi trying to kind of, you know, split the difference? Why not say, this is not a time for Band-Aids? Yes, let's have a moratorium. I think she's trying to get things done, which would be... But she's not getting them done anyways, right? You, you said it yourself, the Republicans are not passing that <laughs> well, bill. So why not aim higher? Why not say a moratorium on evictions? Millions of people are going to lose their homes. What are Democrats doing about that? I don't hear a Democratic leader calling for a moratorium on evictions. Look, there's a lot of work to be done. I don't think this is the final say on it, but it is time to move forward with more help for Americans. We know but, what the future looks like over the Jess, next couple of and, months. We know where people are going to need help. Exactly. We do, we do know what it's going to look I mean, like. Nancy Pelosi has proven over the last three and a half years to be one of the only effective leaders in managing against Donald Trump. And that is really important during this national and global crisis. Democrats often mock President Trump for his gaffes, for his lack of empathy, for his inability as a billionaire businessman to kind of give a damn about the concerns of ordinary Americans. Wasn't it a mistake, therefore, for Democratic House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, a multimillionaire, to go on a late-night TV comedy show at the height of the pandemic with millions of Americans unemployed, with thousands of people lining up at food banks to show off her freezer full of luxury ice cream? Didn't that show her to be completely out of touch? No, and I think that's ridiculous. I think we are in a period where we have to walk and chew gum. We have to be able to do a lot of different things, not the least of which is try to connect with people. Nancy Pelosi has been a fighter for working people her entire career. Was she connecting with people in food bank lines who saw the Speaker of the House showing off ice cream while they're not getting the help that they need? There are a lot of people in need, and a lot of and the needs vary. And was she all connecting the with country. them that night? I think she was trying to be a human being with people, which, by the way, is sorely lacking right now from this administration, because we do not have Jess, I'm not against humor. I'm not against comedy. I'm just wondering why you show off a freezer full of ice cream when you I'm know sure the people are in food bank lines, partly because you as a this speaker were not able to get them the help they needed. This is a serious question. It's, it's a very a serious, serious question. People, question. I mean, if you're in a food bank line, I think it is a serious question. It's not. Okay, you don't think it's a serious question. Fine. Let's talk about Joe Biden, your party's presidential candidate. He says he took the coronavirus very seriously from the beginning, unlike Trump. He says Trump should have acted sooner. And yet he himself held eight rallies as late as March, six of them after Trump's own last pre-lockdown rally on March the 2nd. How can you defend that? 
Look, I think that uh, Joe Biden from the beginning was raising alarm bells. He was raising them as early as January. In February, he was raising alarms about getting more information out of China and what we needed to know about uh, what they knew about the virus. And in March, he laid down uh, the first few points of his plan. Uh, and he had a plan, by the way, which we have still yet to see from President Trump and his administration. And his plan included uh, federally funded testing centers, over 500 of them around the country, a health corps that would help with contact tracing. And then in April, we saw him extend his plan uh, to include things like uh, trying to ramp up the Defense Production Act that would allow for more PPE production for our frontline workers uh, following but the But isn't science, the problem, uh, Jess, isn't the problem, Jess, no, no, I understand, isn't the problem, though, that it's precisely because Joe Biden Well, that's understood a pretty big the... difference, though, Betty. Well, well, well let me ask the question, let me ask the question. Isn't the problem that he had a plan, he understood the science, he sounded the alarm bell, which makes it even worse that he then decided to hold rallies, knowing that, knowing that there was a threat from a virus. At least Donald Trump, you could say, well, he was ignorant. Joe Biden knew there was a virus, knew there was a pandemic, and held eight rallies in Mar February and March. How can you uh, justify that? Well if we want to talk about rallies, let's talk about a rally just a few weeks ago in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where no, the no, let's not talk about that because I didn't ask you to talk about Donald spread. Trump. I called you to speak about the Democrats. I already <laughs> asked Jack Kingston. Rallies. I did in part one. I talked to Jack Kingston about Trump's rallies. I'm asking you why Joe Biden held eight rallies in February and March, including after Donald Trump's own last rally, six of them after Trump. You know, there's no justification for that. Do, do you have one? Look, I, I, were, th these were these were campaign rallies that he attended. Yes. In March. In March, yep. March second, Dallas and Houston. Uh, March seventh, Missouri. So the most of the lockdowns, I believe, so the second case of COVID was March second in New York. So most of these were probably right at the beginning, uh, as we were starting to get results and testing in, which makes sense. This was moving very quickly in March. And again, as you saw by April, stay-at-home orders by all of the Democratic governors across the country. It's weird that Trump stopped his rallies before Biden did. Let me ask you about elections, too, because there were presidential primaries going on. Biden was so intent on winning the Democratic presidential nomination that in March, he said, and I quote, if you're feeling healthy, not showing symptoms, and not at risk of being exposed to COVID-19, please vote on Tuesday in the Ohio and Florida primaries. In April... He said at one point that voting in Wisconsin, the primary in Wisconsin, could be done safely. More than 50 people who voted in person in Wisconsin or worked at the polling booth that day later tested positive for COVID-19. Wasn't that a reckless move on his part, especially when his rival, Bernie Sanders, was saying, postpone these elections? Look, I think that elections is a really important point, and we're going to have to work together to figure, figure that out as we move forward. But what we have right now is most people calling for vote by mail to ensure that what we know now uh, is that if you can stay at home, that would be best. I think again in early March, uh, things were moving uh, in a variety of different directions. Um, and, you know, no, I, there, come on. there were come on. In, in, in March, people knew about social distancing. In March, we were already locking down when Biden said, and I quote, if you're feeling healthy, not showing symptoms, and not at risk of being exposed to COVID-19, please vote on Tuesday. That was a reckless message. What do you mean not showing symptoms? It's an asymptomatic disease. We knew that in March.
Yes, look, I think that I, the, the elections is a really important thing that we have to figure out as a country. So are you supporting his push to people to go out and vote? We need a way out of this mess. So and was he only, right? The only way out of this mess is to ensure that Donald Trump is not president of the United States four months from now, five months from now. But Bernie Sanders, his rival, was saying, let's postpone the race. And Joe Biden was saying, no, go out and vote. It's fine. That was reckless and irresponsible. Each state has to make decisions about where they're postponing and whether or not they could get vote by mail. Fair up enough, and but Joe Biden Again, didn't have to encourage people to go out to vote. Very limited, they had a very limited amount of time to get vote by mail up and running. And it better be different by November or we're going to be in a lot of trouble. Hold on, Joe Biden said days before the Wisconsin primary, he suggested actually, yes, you could scrub down the machine, you can have six and ten to feet apart. He was suggesting it could be unsafely, which was mad. Fifty people ended up testing positive in Wisconsin. Well, I think, you know, look, he was suggesting safety measures. At least we have someone who is suggesting safety measures because we don't have that in any federal leadership that exists right now. One final question before we finish, Jess. Given the sheer scale of this current sure. crisis and the challenges ahead, does your party's presidential candidate, Joe Biden, the former vice president, have what it takes to turn things around, to offer the real change that many people in this country now believes the U.S needs. This is a candidate, Jess, who continues to oppose guaranteeing free health care for every American, even in a pandemic, who told a room full of millionaire donors last year that nothing will fundamentally change if he's elected president, whose campaign has basically been about turning back the clock and returning to business as usual. Well, I think we're in a moment where everything is fundamentally changed. So there's no going back now to, to any of the things uh, that anyone might wish to return to. There's only going forward. And I think Joe Biden is ready to lead. In fact, I think now more than ever, we need someone with the experience and gravitas on a world stage and here in the United States that can help pull us out of this and bring us together, uh, which is sorely needed right now. Jess O'Connell, we'll have to leave it there. Thank you so much for joining me on Head to Head. Thanks, Manny. And that's our show. It's a new season of Head to Head, so do make sure to tune in next week for another special episode from Washington, D.C.